This podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, who makes it easy and fun to simply step outside. That might mean breaking a speed record in a rugged, built-for-fun sonic snow tube, walking an extra block in a warm, weather-resistant down jacket, or just taking a breath on your doorstep before cozying up in a quilted sweatshirt. For however you experience the outdoors, shop clothing and gear at llbean.com. Be an outsider. I absolutely love nature documentaries, especially if I can't be in a national park. One of the best ways to pass the time is to binge all the Planet Earth and Blue Planet and David Attenborough I can muster. So I was absolutely thrilled to find that a new national park doc series was on its way to Netflix, and even more thrilled that I was going to get a sneak preview. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, the new Our Great National Parks series and how these wonderful nature documentaries get made. A fish that can walk. Surfing hippos want to catch the waves. Species found nowhere else on Earth. Join me in this celebration of our planet's greatest national parks and wilderness. Around the world, the more isolated the national park, the more unusual its creatures, and the more extraordinary their behaviors. That is, of course, former president of the United States, Barack Obama, the host and narrator of Our Great National Parks, a five-part series premiering on April 13th, covering the national park idea. Not just American national parks, in fact, very few of them, but how the idea of a national park has spread around the world. Mr. Obama is not just hired help either. The 44th president of the United States established and expanded protections for more than 550 million acres of America's public lands and waters, more than any other president in history. He's an executive producer of the series, and the parks highlighted all share some sort of connection with his life. Our Great National Parks takes us on a journey from Hawaii to Madagascar to Indonesia, Kenya, and beyond with a decidedly optimistic point of view, sharing how the national park idea can solve so many of the world's conservation challenges. I had the great pleasure of interviewing our great national parks executive producer, James Honeyborn, who also produced the incredible award-winning Blue Planet 2, the most watched wildlife documentary in over 20 years, and award-winning filmmaker Sophie Todd, the series producer of our great national parks. She also wrote, directed, and produced for Netflix's Formula One, Drive to Survive. You've created a series here that, I guess in many ways, it plays a lot with a lot of the standard conventions of a top-tier nature documentary, but it frames it entirely around the idea of a national park. James, what led you to focus on the idea of national parks? 
Well, the formation of national parks has been one of the greatest global conservation success stories of the past century. If you think back to when Yellowstone was founded, that was 150 years ago. And in the last 50 years, over half of all national parks, over 2,000 parks around the world have been founded. So it's a growing conservation movement, which is really something to celebrate. I think it, a, a lot of Americans, you know, we feel it's an American idea and it is an American idea, but maybe Americans feel it's a little still unique to the United States. And right away, you make it very clear that's not the case. You'd have this wonderful graphic animation going around the globe, seeing all of the, the different lands that have been protected over time. What makes those lands so special? Why are we focusing specifically on those lands? Well, I think it's, it's a mixture of, of things. Each place has uh, different values. In, in some places, for example, the rainforest and also the kelp forest in the ocean create the oxygen that we breathe and absorb the carbon dioxide that we don't need. So, you know, those places are incredibly precious, but also everywhere has value. They provide us with, with uh, clean water and natural resources. They unlock the secrets of need medicines. They help regulate our climate and mitigate against natural disasters. So there's all sorts of really good jobs that wilderness do. I think there's been a temptation for humanity to look at wilderness and think it's empty, when actually, of course, it's performing a whole number of really important functions that help keep our whole planet healthy. And if we want to be healthy, and if we want future generations to be healthy, then we need to celebrate, fall in love with, connect with more, and care for more, all wilderness. And, and I think national parks are kind of the pinnacle of that, which is why it's been fun to create portraits of different national parks. But actually, this is really about our relationship with wilderness. And so oh, why it's so important today. So I consider myself an avid nature documentary watcher. You open the series with elephants and hippos playing in the ocean. And in fact, I think there are, uh, there are so many things in our great national parks that, that I've just never seen before. How do you go about finding those stories that just have never been told? We work with scientists and institutes around the world. Some of our producers, in fact, we've got two doctors two doctorates in biology and marine biology in, amongst the team. And yeah, we work with scientists for ideas. We spoke to the national parks themselves. We read scientific papers. And then we were trying to get that balance between showing the different habitats that parks cover as well. It's, it can be anything from the ice fjords in Patagonia right the way through to the desert. So we wanted to have a mixture of those ideas in, a, in the mix as well. I love so many of the drone or overhead shots where you've got you're seeing the crocodile swim up a river. You're seeing the hippos in a very intimate moment with each other, a whole clan of them. One of the things I'm always fascinated with is how technology keeps changing and that sort of allows different art forms to progress. How were you able to leverage technology in order to get some new stuff that we haven't seen before? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's really important to try and tell new stories because we want to, to surprise audiences and we all love the novelty of new facts, don't we? And technology, as you rightly say, is really helpful for that because it, it, it often shows us things we haven't been able to see before. So I, I really like the riders at night <laughs> in the waterhole in Salvo, um, which we managed to film with a low light camera that could actually capture in color. So although it's dark, we can see in color what's happening with the animals. Because otherwise we would have seen that in, in sort of like that green night vision view that yeah, we've seen in the past. Green, gray, yeah. And we see great detail. 
And um, it's an extraordinary gathering of black rhinoceroses around one waterhole, which is something I don't think you'd really ever see in daylight. No. So a really special place and uh, amazing. That's one example of technology. We also staked out underwater, didn't we, in Zima Springs with the hippos? Yeah. Um, and left cameras there that were sort of in amongst the logs and, and the hippos became very used to. And just by having video cameras that can last a long time underwater, that really helps as well. So so it's different technologies for different uses. Yeah. Although they, by the end, the hippos were so habituated to this underwater dome camera, they were standing on it, which wasn't great. <laughs> wasn't great for the camera, but it didn't break. Well, I always think that's interesting too, because you're trying to make us feel like there isn't a camera person there that this is sort of just naturally happening without any humans nearby. So there must be lots of ways that you have to play tricks like that to hide cameras and get, because you've got some just wonderful shots. You've the, the pumas in uh, the, the little puma cubs. There's this excellent shot. I'm sure you know that where you've got the, like the three puma cubs lined up. And I just, I'm always fascinated how these, these sort of very shy animals that you can sort of capture them or that what are some of the other ways that you can sort of hide cameras or go or, or see them from afar with and, and get us that up close and personal view it's a mixture of things i mean the main answer is actually time mm, we, we, we just we have to spend weeks gradually getting closer and closer so that we don't interfere with their behaviors in the end they puma can come quite close to you they become relatively comfortable with you as long as you never try and to, you know invade their space. But we also built tree platforms out in uh, the rainforest and the guys had to live up on the tree platforms at some times because of everything that was going underneath. You know, don't want to accidentally have a forest elephant troop walk across you in the middle of the night. And the, so that, yeah, we have to use all kinds of um, different ingenuity for each place. And sometimes even, you know, staked out cameras that are, that are left there. And that's how we got some of the Sumatran tiger, which is an incredibly rare animal to ever glimpse on camera. And to film them up in the highlands was extraordinary. So, yeah. It's 10 days hike just to get to the place where we left the camera. And you should see the leeches on the legs at the end of that. Yeah. There's some horrible shots of the guys in white shirts with, with uh, red splotches all over them. <laughs> So speaking of time, you filmed this primarily over the course of a pandemic that had to be a major challenge in order to get travel clearances, to protect everybody. Speak to a little bit to how you approached filming during a pandemic or worldwide series on national parks. Well, um, James and I both felt strongly anyway about working with local teams in country. So we used we had people, for example, our Chilean assistant producer is Chilean and all of the crew that we used are Chilean so that when the UK director couldn't get back in, we were able to use technology for them to show us rushes and shots and then we could direct almost remotely, if you like. So uh, we were able to harness new technology where there was the bandwidth to be able to do that. And then it, it's just about, you. it makes you more creative, doesn't it? It makes you come up with new ways. We, we're in uh, the rainforest. There's a sequence where we filmed this ginormous flower, the Titan Arum. It's about the height of a, a basketball boot. And we couldn't get the UK crew back in. So we built a Titan Arum, model scale here, out of papier mache and painted some of my creative team members painted it. And then we shot it using our cameras here edited it and then sent it to the team in the field so they could see what we wanted to get shot for shot. 
So when they found one, which is it only flowers every 10 years, so it's not an easy shot to get, but they knew then all the shots we needed to make the sequence. So yeah, we got creative, didn't we, James? Well, yeah, and we also got our timing right, because as you say, they flower once in 10 years and then only last two days. Yeah. So you've got to get the timing of it all going on. That's why, you, you know, that's why the research of it is so important as well. Uh, we're quite safe as units once we're on location because we, we generally don't go near other people very much. We tend to sort of stay as groups when we're shooting anyway. When we were filming the gorilla, we had to be particularly careful. So we did our quarantine period as we would do normally. But then also when we were filming, we all had masks on all the time because the, in case the gorilla could catch COVID from one of us. So we were testing every day, wearing masks and in isolation. So yeah, we, we made sure those guys were going to be okay. We'll be back in a moment, but first a quick break for a message from our favorite place to search for the best campground for your national park adventures, Campendium. Campendium lists virtually every campground in North America and every type of campsite you can imagine. From remote backcountry tent sites to RV parks with water slides and pickleball courts, you can search by price, including free or by cell service, elevation, whether pets are allowed. Dozens of different search filters will bring you detailed user reviews so you can find the best campsite for your trip. Campendium is free at campendium.com or on the app, and you can upgrade to a RoadPass Pro membership to unlock an ad-free experience with more detailed cell service reports, public land map overlays, trail maps, and more. A RoadPass Pro membership also includes other premium apps like Togo RV and Road Trippers. Visit Campendium.com or download the app today and save $10 off a RoadPass Pro membership with code RVMILES10X. When humanity started to protect these wild places, we did not realize how important they would become. They're a haven for endangered species and a hotbed for scientific research. This sloth has an entire micro-kingdom living in his fur. Researching him will help fight cancer, malaria, and antibiotic-resistant superbugs. This sleepy sloth might just save us all. You have an all-star host and narrator and co-executive producer and President Obama. We see him in episode one on the beaches of Hawaii, his birthplace. And then in the third episode, you take us to Kenya, the home of his father in Savo National Park. In fact, many of the places you visit have some sort of relevance to his life. How did you come about working with President Obama and how did you decide on which parks to focus on? We were introduced to Higher Ground's production company through Netflix. And Higher Ground had a creative partnership with Netflix and we came along and it was really a question of, you know, and, and as soon as we, as soon as we, um, it became apparent that we had lots of common interests. So it was a very natural fit for us to work together. And we started talking about this importance of wilderness and the high ground were involved right from the get go on that. Mm -hmm. And and then it was a case of choosing which parks. When you've got over 4,000 to choose from, what are you going for, Sophie? Well, that, yes, it's not an easy task. Oh, absolutely. You're right there. But we wanted to have that variety of habitats because national parks can be anything from an ice fjord in Patagonia to a desert. And we also wanted to show 
places that the president had some kind of connection to, as, as you rightly said in your question, there's a connection with so many of the places that we feature, but also to tell the different stories of the different roles parks play. So in Patagonia, where they're joining parks together, they're creating this amazing movement for wildlife to be able to spread genetically and rewild parts of their country, which is incredibly important. We wanted to have solutions in this series as well as problems. We don't try and shy away from some of the issues no. that the world faces, but we wanted to show that parks can help in, in some of the solutions as too. Yeah, I did. I loved how you do show a lot of what is outside of the parks and the world around and how and, and the forces uh, of human activity that affect them. But then yet yeah, you do have stories of where it's working, where we in in Savo, where you've got the road cutting through the park and how that is managed and how that's considered and, and the gorillas and how they, I love how the, the farmers get paid for a, any food that's been taken by the animals from the park. So it's great to see the, the, in this sort of style of films where it is actually working so we can see how we can fix things. Well, yes. And I think tonally it was important for us to think about what hopeful message we could give, because obviously there's so, so many big issues, challenges that we face in wildlife conservation or that are faced. But actually we could be hopeful here because what we're seeing in many of these parks are incredible solutions. And as Sophie said, each episode really features a different, amazing solution. And, you know, with Salvo, it's about scale, with Patagonia, it's about reconnecting and rewilding. I think Monterey is really interesting because you have a... You have an ecosystem that is largely recovered. If you think how badly affected Monterey was in the thirties and forties, and now you've got a, you've got an amazing oceanic spectacle, wherever there's people, there are going to be issues. We know that, but to see uh, a, a, part, a national park like that thriving against the most populous state in the States in California is inspiring and hopeful too. That's why this series is really about how, what our relationship is with parks and it's forward facing. It's about our relationship with parks today and for future generations. So what was it like to actually work face to face with President Obama? How did you meet for the first time? How did you direct him? I, I want to hear all of that. <laughs> I, it was probably the bit, one of the best days of my life. Absolutely. I actually, yeah, I met him in person for the first time when we were working in Hawaii. And I was directing on that day. And I mean, I've been working in television for a very long time, very comfortable directing. And then he got out of the car and part of me <laughs> turned upside down in my stomach. I, I was quite thrown for a second, but he is very charming, very relaxed and obviously very comfortable in Hawaii. That's where, you know, it is home. And he talks about in the first program, uh, it was where his mother used to sit on that very beach when she was pregnant with him. And she used to tease him that part of the reason he's so calm was because she he was in her tummy when she was sat on that beach. And those kind of stories about his personal connection, you just knew in that moment we're in the right place uh, and it felt very natural. It was a wonderful day that we spent there. And generally he's, I mean, he's so talented at sharing how he feels and talking to people. I mean, he was great with the kids in Yellowstone as well. There were some students there on their school trip and that they were looking around the park and he just engaged with them in the most wonderful way. I mean, really yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I'm really delighted by his natural authority for the subject. I hope he felt that when he watched. Of course, he has protected more wilderness than any president in history. 
And so there's a, it's a huge sort of authenticity to that storytelling, which is clear to see. And you get that sense when he's in Hawaii, most definitely. So, you know, we're pretty thrilled yeah. with the way it comes across. Absolutely. Well, I thought that was great because a president is somebody that has the ability to enact on making changes that can really affect, you know, our wildernesses and, and our population. So it was a great framing device to be able to talk about these solutions and they're being told by somebody who enacted several of them. And obviously future politicians in any country are the ones that we need to look to, to implement a lot of these solutions. So it, it felt, it did feel very natural to me in that way. What do you hope that people take away from this series? Uh, I think for me, it's the value of wilderness and it's not just the big national parks. It's not just those iconic places. It's the value of all wilderness uh, and its importance to us if we all want to stay healthy. And I think that's a lovely thing. So that, yeah, our sale in a way is the celebration, but if people take away a sense of, of value and that they feel more connected with and care more about wilderness, then that would be great. And as part of this, we are launching a campaign to activate inspired audiences to learn more about nature protection and how to get involved yourselves. So we want people to engage with this and the campaign is in collaboration with High Ground and Freeborn Impact and the Wildlife Conservation Society. And you can visit wildforall.org for more information. Our Great National Parks can be found only on Netflix beginning April 13th. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and I'd like to thank again Sophie Todd and James Honeyborn for joining us on the show. We hope you'll consider supporting us through our Patreon program for less than a dollar an episode. You can find out more at patreon.com slash nationalparkspodcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. If you're interested in RV travel, check out rvmiles.com or find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys as our wandering family all across social media. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit llbean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. And by Campendium. Find listings and reviews for thousands of campsites for your next national park adventure at campendium.com.